L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Intimate Knowledge with Brooke Burke, Megan King, and sex and intimacy coach Leela DeVille. Shh. It's a show about sex. Ready, girls? Can we all hear each other? Your hair looks great, Brooke. It does. Oh god, that's because I just I just shot a sweat sesh in my backyard, like social distancing with 20 people. It's like 90 degrees here in Malibu, full humidity. And I'm just like drenching. I'm telling you, sweat has become the best facial in town. And thanks. I also have my eyelashes left on from yesterday's job. So <laughs> it's amazing what eyelashes will do for a chick and a little bit of sweaty bedhead. So, but thank you. Totally. Thank you. You're welcome. And we're still connecting on our screen, everybody, but it's important for the three of us ladies to see each other. And we just are still committed to producing content to help open your mind and deepen your conversation and keep educating you. We have a really cool show today, and I think we're going to just dive right into it, talking about the differences between sexy and beautiful. And I want to get your take, ladies, on this, because I feel like beauty is so... Um, subjective. And for me, it comes from such a deep place. And then sexy is like a whole nother thing that you exude in an energy and a chemistry. And each one, I think, demands different actions. What, what do you girls think? How do you define like sexy versus beautiful? Well, I think in the space where I'm in right now, when when I hear the word sexy, my brain doesn't run to how I look as a woman, my brain runs to how is my man treating me Mm. in in what kind of a way. And so for me, sexy is um, being kissed often. That's very important to me or just being touched. Um, I'm, I love physical touch. So for me, that's sexy, but in a respectful way, I don't want to be, you know, groped or anything, but um, I think that small acts of romantic kindness are what I find sexy. Make you feel sexy or make you see your partner as sexy. 
Yes. It makes me see my partner. I've been following you in this seriously joyful time in your life. And I've, you've never looked more beautiful to me. And I think you're so sexy right now in this space. Cause I can tell that you're like experiencing like love and affection and attention and new things like new, exp- I think new experiences <laughs> yeah. and spontaneity are super sexy. What, what do you think? Lila? Totally. Megan's just absolutely glowing. And I think that really leads into what I feel like sexy is. It's, it's really when somebody has that pulse of sexual energy running mm. through their body mm. and they exude it, you know, like, and then p- other people can perceive it. So in that way, then you can find anybody who is mm-hmm. in the, their element or their um, authenticity with what they're feeling as they push that out through their body um, like for me that's just like perceived as being super super sexy and there is an element for me of of freedom and openness with sexual energy in what what I deem to be sexy so mm-hmm. like you you know I think we all mm-hmm. like know what sexy is when we see like a woman walking down the street and she's got a lot of freedom in her pelvis and she's mm-hmm. got like that that sway and that movement for me that is like yeah just that freedom of sexual energy pulsating through someone even the way you say it sounds Um, sexy doesn't it Megan (laughs) (laughs) I, I totally agree with that I feel like sexual energy is different than beautiful energy beauty we sort of observe right and we recognize and we compliment and we look at where mm-hmm. whereas like there's actually a great article um in today about all this that, that we can talk about too but where, where like sexy or a sensual vibe is more of something that's a call to action like for example if you see some gorgeous beautiful man you might just admire him in the pages of a magazine or in a crowd but if there's somebody that you feel that pulse, that vibration, that energy, mm-hmm. that sexual energy, maybe that's going to promote your incentive to like connect. So I see them as two totally different things. And yeah. I feel like beauty is a feeling. We sort of exude it. And sexiness to me is also a feeling. And totally what you're saying about the pulsing, like freedom in your hips. Whenever mm-hmm. I'm teaching my classes and I have women who might be like stuck in their body or blocked or haven't found their freedom or they have their own um, insecurities, I always do like all fours, like hip circles, downward dogs, where you're tucking your pelvis and popping your tail in the air and making hip circles. And it feels uncomfortable and sort of very provocative for a lot of women. But I think in releasing that movement in the hips, whether you're in bed, whether you're working out, whether you're on the dance floor, there's movement and freedom in that. That's like your, your sensual space. Does that make sense? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like I feel like we're all born kind of sexual creatures. Like I Mm -hmm. watch my kids and uh, they're really like, like, uninhabited in their body and their senses and they move from this place of pure joy and whatever really feels good for them in the moment and it's not sexual or erotic necessarily but it's this pure form of sexual expression and and it's like pleasure embodied and I think as we grow we can get the messages that are like both indirectly and directly that certain aspects of this is not um is not acceptable and mm-hmm. so we kind of gradually start the process of shutting those parts down um and then i feel like that's where we're all trying to get back to is that real freedom um, mm-hmm. and authentic totally. expression of that it reminds me form. of our, our previous episode yeah. that i loved so much so if anybody missed that one where we interviewed aquazina um mm. And I I loved what she was saying about the purity and almost the vulnerability of how we came into this world in a highly sexual space, you know, remember what she was saying. So if anybody missed that episode, it's worth revisiting. I feel like every woman should experience 
that and her take on rhythm and freedom and sensuality that wasn't really related to sexuality as well. Do, do you agree? Absolutely. But I also think it's really important to get other people's opinions on this too, you know, where, 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 um, and everybody's journey is so different. So it's going to be really exciting to um, interview some of our guests mm. today. You know what I thought was perspectives. Really interesting as well was the Cosmopolitan article. Yeah. You know, that did you, did you girls check that out about 12 things that men secretly find sexy about yeah. women? I thought that was interesting. And I wanted to ask both of you really quick too what we find sexy about men. And they were like little things like when you outsmart him, when you... Um, have a signature smell when you take the piss out of him. I didn't quite know what that meant, but when, when you drunk text him, when you order whatever the hell you want, when you hold your own in a shouting match, I mean, these seem to all be like powerful, powerful plays from a woman, which it's interesting because some men find that sexy. Some men don't. Yeah. It's so individual. And I think, you know, I always look at this Mm -hmm. in the, with the lens of polarity. Like if you are a female essence person then you're going to be really attracted to somebody who is super in their masculine and for me I I am that so for me what I find sexy in a man is someone who's super directional very confident very comfortable and who can master time and space and Mm. so that can look a myriad of different ways Um, it could mean like organizing a great trip or a date or making sure that I'm really taken care of in terms of like my nurturing and stuff. So yeah. So mastering time and space for me is incredibly sexy. I think society tries to tell us what's beautiful and that comes from a place of what we collectively find sexy, but like Brooke, like you said, beautiful might be more of an image, more, more imagery, whereas sexy is more, you know, actions or like um, a fluid evolving um, kind of term that will in turn determine what beauty is five years from now or mm-hmm. tomorrow or whenever. I think, um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I think sexy is evolving and, flu- well, I should say sexy is fluid and beauty is like a, more concrete, like set in mm. stone. I don't know. I get it that. just feels no, like totally there's more freedom in sex, sexiness. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Does that make sense? Or am I just it totally, no, no, it on? totally makes sense. And I think men and women have very different perspectives. And what the Cosmo article was saying also is that a lot of men are attracted um, to confidence and power. And, you know, we're going to get into this in today's episode because we have Haley Sahar from Pose. She's going to have an incredible perspective on this. And also Jim McBride, who is the master evaluator of all things nudity. So he's going to take us through a timeline of the evolution of nudity. And also Melody Chu from People Magazine, who um, is a, a writer for entertainment. So that's interesting as well, how the entertainment industry sort of plays that and paints a picture on that. You know, when we look at all the sexiest man alive, you know, like what who who's to say who the sexiest man alive is and at what time or phase or season of your life right exactly yeah who's determining what beauty is too yeah well exactly yeah some some algorithm yeah Yeah. megan what what do you find the most sexy in a man in a you know from a female perspective okay so i'm gonna answer very broadly i love a manly man that's that's a consistent pattern of mine. I, I love a man who can, who gets his hands dirty and knows what he's doing and does kind of like the stereotypical masculine things. Um, like your new man who's so rugged, like trash even. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Just like that. You know, somebody who could like look under the hood of a car kind of thing. 
Oh my God. It's so <laughs> funny that you you're saying, wait, listen, it's so <laughs> funny that you're saying that because the other day I was with Scott and we were at the grocery store and he drives this old vintage red Camaro. That's super sexy. And he's very manly. And we were bringing our groceries out of the, out of the whole foods and the car wouldn't start, which happens a lot in these, you know, old, there's always something going on with these vintage cars. And he's like, it's cold. Don't worry. So he gets up out of the car and he's like, great t-shirt, pops the hood. And I literally am like sinking into the passenger seat, watching this hot, like uh-huh. silver fox of a man walk around, pop the hood, whatever the hell he did uh-huh. in there. God knows I would have been stranded. It would have been like triple A yeah. come to the rescue. And he just gets under there, starts the car. And I, and I gave him the compliment, which most people wouldn't. He came back in there and I was like, that was so fucking hot. That was yeah. so hot and sexy. <laughs> was yeah, like, wait, you should have taken a video. Don't keep it for yourself. By the way, I have a tool I should send him. It's called the Zeus. I'll send it over. Okay. It, will, it might not be as sexy, but it'll be faster. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God, I love it. That's so good. I love it too. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK, but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hi, Hi welcome to our show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for thank joining you us. for joining <laughs> us. I would love to introduce you, but I feel like you know yourself more than I do. So would you mind giving us an introduction, please? Sure, yes. My name is Haley Sahar. I currently star on Ryan Murphy's FX Pose and also on Freeform's Good Trouble. I'm an actress and an activist. Well, we are so happy that you're here. And we just got finished doing a little deep dive into the subject matter of what's sexy and what's beautiful. And we would love to get your perspective on it because they seem like two very different things. Um, so we're, we're just dishing it. What, what do you think is sexy versus beautiful? What do I think is sexy versus beautiful? I think that something that it's beautiful is something a little bit more pure, something more just... Um, effortless and natural. Uh, those are the, the, the note that the words that come to my mind when I think of that. And then when I think of something sexy, sexy is confidence. I think anyone can be sexy. I think at any age you can be sexy. It's about owning who you are, whatever that is, and just living your life to the fullest. I think that's sexy. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love it too. Yeah. It's the confidence. I think it, it always goes back to the confidence, right? It is the confidence. I think, you know, I think especially now, I think people uh, misconstrue vulgarity with sexy. I think you can be dressed from head to toe, not showing any skin. And if you have an aura about you that is sexy, you can own the room. Um, you don't always have to reveal your skin to be sexy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a big difference in being vulgar and sexy. I totally agree with that. Do you think that part, I was thinking about this earlier before we met today, and I was wondering if because there's so much sex available right now, there's so much um, free imagery that people are feeling that they need to be a bit more provocative um, in their sexual demonstration, because it used to be that all of that wasn't available, so you could be a little bit dimmer. I agree with you. I mean, I think subtlety yeah. is more sexy. I would rather have more to the imagination. But, you know, even in media, I feel like it almost has to be shocking and mind blowing in, in, in the most appropriate way that we're allowed. What, what do you girls think about that, how it's shifted just because there's so much available? Yeah, um, there is so much available now. But, you know, I think that it takes away from the mystery of it all. Like you said, I think leaving something to the imagination leads you somewhere to go and more to explore. If you give everyone everything, it becomes cheapened to me. I, I feel like a lot of people are trying sexy on, like they, they think that it's this external thing. And so they do all these things to like try to be perceived as sexy. But I, I think the more that we can orient towards what is felt, within ourselves and and then that is actually perceived by others so it's, it's that switch from um focusing so much on the external and what something looks like versus what is felt mm. yeah Haley, what are some ways that you exude sexiness um and 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 your perception of yourself as a sexy person let's let's talk about that a little bit okay um it's so funny this this topic because i was always the very shy one in my family growing up. And so growing up and people saying you're sexy, I'm like, well, what is sexy about me? I think if I had to answer that question, I think it's just the confidence that I exude. Um, I've always been intrigued by the women from the 1960s and 50s where they had just this elegance about them. And so I kind of keep some of that in myself. And I'm, I'm just very confident whether I'm in an oversized t-shirt or in a swimsuit. Um, I'm just confident in my skin. And I think that that's probably, you know, what people get from me and maybe my down to earth nature. <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, that's super sexy and powerful. We were talking about confidence. I, I was going to ask you something similar too. how if you've always felt that way and what kind of advice we could give to people who haven't tapped into their inner sensual confidence or are really struggling with that. Because if it is a feeling and we all possess that inside of us, some people just don't know where it is. You know, it's kind of yeah. buried or blocked or there's yeah. fear related to sensuality. I think first we can't live in fear. Um, fear kind of relinquishes your power as a whole. So I think first the fear has to go away. And then I think just remembering that, you know, while you're here on this planet, like you can own who you are and you are the narrative of your own story. So be confident in that. There's only one of you and there's no one else like you. And that in itself is super sexy. So own it and be the best version of yourself. That's, that's the advice I would give. Yeah. But I think there's so many messages that we get from the media and um, from what is acceptable mm -hmm. um, when it comes to to our sexuality. I look at like it's mm -hmm. it's it's difficult to feel safe in our culture um, when we're when we're in our sexuality. So I think that's probably the biggest component is like is like wanting to feel connected and loved. And so <clears throat> kind of only letting out those bits that we think can be loved. Yeah. Well, and also just finding mm -hmm. safety in that process of self-discovery, because I know you've overcome many challenges presented to you as a transgender woman. So like, let's mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit, because finding freedom in your own personal journey and then owning it and feeling sexy and beautiful and sensual your entire life. I mean, that's amazing Thank considering you. what you've been through in your journey. I mean, that's incredible. That's powerful. Thank That's super sexy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think that it's so funny because I'm having a lot of aha moments now in my life. And I'm realizing that, gosh, I have been through a lot of stuff and I have, you know, stood the test of time. And um, what it is for me is I've always searched within myself and the outer exterior was always a second thing for me. And I, Oh, that to my mother. My mother is a stunning woman physically, mm. but I never watched her growing up being materialistic or anything of that nature. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I never watched that. I've always watched this stunning woman be like beautiful from the inside. And I think because I had that as an example, I've always modeled myself after my mother. And um, I think that's what kept me going during this whole time and, you know, my faith and everything. So, yeah. Gosh, lucky you. I mean, we all need a powerful female role model just to help bring that out. That's well, you guys are powerful female role models. <laughs> that as women today, Thank we're you. definitely more in control and we're definitely owning our own selves these days. Thank so that's you. I mean, there's so much to be said about being comfortable in our skin. I mean, we have each other and we bounce off opinions and we're sort of free to be different. And I think we all feel very comfortable and confident in our skin at this phase in our life. But, you know, there's something to be said about that, supporting that and believing in that, not feeling suppressed or squashed in your own sensual confidence. Yeah. So I'm sure you you um, inspire a lot of a lot of women. I love that. Thank you. Haley, I, so. I want to ask you, did you feel sexy before you transitioned? And and if so, how did you do that? Well, I, see, I, I transitioned medically and socially uh, as a teenager. And so like any teen, I was, I mean, people were always, I think I was a, a fairly always an attractive person um, from what people told me, like growing up in school, people had crushes on me and stuff. Did I feel mm -hmm. sexy? I think there was a part of me that always had a little sass to me myself. 
Um, more specifically, when I was performing, you know, I started off dancing as a child. And so when I was on stage, I felt unstoppable. So I think mm. there was a, a tone of sexiness there, but obviously not owning it um, as an adolescent. Uh, so when I stepped more into alignment with who I was, then I really, you know, was owning who I truly am. And so, and I also was an adult at that point. And so I think it grew. I think my sexiness has grown as I've grown with it, as I've become more mature um, and more just in alignment with myself. Yeah, it seems like as a teenager, that's when we're all growing into our sexiness anyway. So it's probably just <laughs> a natural transition for you. It just all happened at the, the um, not, you, I guess the perfect time if, if you know, it's going to happen. Identity. Yeah. I mean, some people are going through their identity crisis later on in their life and yeah. still developing and still trying to figure out who they are well into their 40s, 50s. And some people never figure it out. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. um, I want to talk a little bit about yeah. about Pose. So tell us about this project. And then I'm, I'm curious about um, many of the other actors that you that you work with and and what their take is on confidence and um you know sensual security sexual security i'm i'm really interested in the state of mind um mm -hmm. of individuals have, who have gone through so much and have transitioned mm -hmm. well i can only speak for for myself i know each individual person is is different just like every woman is different every male is different every person of trans experience is different as well um so i can only speak for my, for myself but i i think that it's the same as any, any person, any woman, you know, when you're a little girl, you think as a little girl, when you're a teenager, you think as a teenager, as I've grown into the maturity of a mature, successful woman, I've owned that position um, and just discovering more of myself. But yeah, I can only speak from my own experience because I don't, I don't really know theirs. I, I get that, that's respectable. <laughs> but tell <laughs> us about the project though. I wanna hear about Pose. So Pose, we're on our third season. We were actually in production um, and that's when COVID happened. So we were filming and COVID happened. So we went on a break. I, obviously I didn't think it was gonna be this drastic in the beginning. So I thought we would get right back to work after I think three weeks and then that didn't happen. So, um, but Pose is a story about the trans community, um, also the LGBTQ plus community as a whole. Um, it's a time period piece. Um, we started in 1987 and we move on to 1990s now. So it's talking about the era of, uh, you know, where Vogue originated from and just this underground world that's really been around, I believe, since the 60s, um, where a lot of people of trans experience have come to hone their craft and where they can feel that they can be themselves. It's like an underground Hollywood, if you will. So there's many categories. Uh, there's like face, means you have this beauty about yourself. There's voguing, which we know has become famous from Madonna. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's it's touching on the era of the ballroom community. And um, yeah, so we're on third season now and, you know, just hopeful and wishing to get back to work very soon. And is voguing like a real thing? I mean, we all know it. Maybe I'm being naive, but from Madonna, is that like a, a practice? A, a, it's, a a real, it's a real thing. So I would equate voguing to... Um, breakdancing in the sense that it started as a form of competition. So the ballroom scene has these houses. Houses are usually named after designers. So there's House of um, Mugler, there's House of Allure, there's House of Saint Laurent. And um, everyone's a part of these different houses. And so you come into this ballroom community and there's different categories that different people fit. 
Um, there's a category called body, which is very sexy. It means you have a very curvy body and they celebrate everything about yourself. If you're very voluptuous, they celebrate that. They don't tell you go be skinny or, you know, what typical Hollywood does. They, they celebrate for who you are. And so voguing is another category and I would equate it to breakdancing. It's a way of showing poise and elegance and fierceness and saying, um, you know, just like competing in a friendly, um, unharming way on the dance floor. No so, yeah, idea. Like, <laughs> I, there's I, a cool yeah, place no in idea. Brooklyn. There's a cool place in Brooklyn that. called The House of Yes, and they do voguing nights. It's, it's actually incredibly fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, fun, the, the, the amazing thing about Pose is that it's bringing these storylines that were always underground, but have been around in a part of our history and pop culture for so long, Mm -hmm. um, they're bringing it to the front um, of the Mm -hmm. line. And so a lot of celebrities have been inspired by voguing um, and just the ballroom community as a whole. So Pose is bringing those characters to the front now. I I had no idea. I want to see that. I mean, we have a long way to go, but the evolution of that and for to, to have a safe space that's so acceptable and it's entertaining and free, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to learn from that. Yeah, right? I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, Pose, I haven't seen Pose, but um, I just imagine like at, for, for um, younger people who are maybe confused with their identity and confused with like all the scope of expression out there. And it can be, I think it's mm-hmm. must be incredibly empowering to be able to see that on screen. And I can see like so many trends of showing like diversity in orientation and, and the whole spectrum um, of of sexual expression um, on screen. And I wonder for you, like how growing up, um, did you have examples around you um, of what was available in terms of expression? Um, To be very honest with you, no. I think that, I mean, the obvious thing is that we live in a world that has so much discrimination. And I think the culture as a whole has been purposely blocked off. So for me growing up, I didn't have any representation, if that's what you're asking me, of like a trans person. There was Mm -hmm. absolutely no one um, that I remember seeing. And so um, I know now that I'm one of the first ones Mm -hmm. to be on the mainstream. Um, Of course, I I discovered the bar. So I come from ballroom myself. Um, I discovered the ballroom when I was about maybe 16 or 17. Um, And so that was the first time that I saw other people of trans experience, but it was never anything on the level of, you know, what what we're doing now. And so that made me want to be that much more assertive in my um, artistry to make it and to be successful so that someone like me could be a blueprint for someone else because the walk of life is so extremely difficult. of course, you yeah. see the glitz and the glam, but it is a very difficult uh, lifestyle to live when the world is not carved out for you. And so, um, yeah, there was there was nothing that I remember growing up. Did you discover ballroom before you transitioned? So I was curious if you played both both roles. Were you? Did you have two different sides of your ballroom performance? Like both so, genders, uh, mm-hmm. right? So, so I knew who I was early on. Of course, I didn't have the vocabulary to equate um, what I was feeling, but I knew who I was since I was in grade school. I've always felt the same way. The ballroom scene just gave me more of a push to see other people like me and to say, oh my gosh, this is actually possible. Those feelings Mm -hmm. I've always thought as a child are real. And I see these 
beautiful women. Like I never even knew. I remember there was this one uh, lady in particular, I don't remember her name. She was passing out flyers to like an upcoming ball. And I was just an, an on a, a standing, just looking. I was so shy and so little. And I was looking and she was passing and she's like, here, you're so pretty, take this. And I took it. And then my friend was like, you know, she was a transgender woman. I said, what is, what is transgender? What is that? Mm-hmm. I just remember she was just so, <laughs> she looked like a doll. She was so beautiful and um, so natural. And um, I was like, wow. And so I was, I was really intrigued. And all of these thoughts of my childhood kind of came back to that moment. And it just kind of gave me a push. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's, beautiful. oh my gosh, there's so many beautiful transgender w- women. It's, it's almost unfair to those, those of us who were born with vagina <laughs> because you're so gorgeous. Thank you. Thank They've you. mastered the art of femininity. <laughs> well, we should you know, spend I more think... time, ladies, working on it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you know, we're, all, we're all in this together. And I think that the beautiful thing is that you know, we take bits and pieces from each other. Um, I've been inspired, like I said, by my mother, who is a cisgender woman. And um, I did transition medically and socially myself, but um, I think we're all in this together. We give and take from each other. We're all sisters in this, so yeah. What did you call your mom, a cisgender woman? Cis- so cisgendered means that you identify with the uh, gender and sexual organs that you have as, as you were given at birth. So you would be, you guys would be considered cisgender. Yeah. Cisgender. How do you spell that? Yes. I believe it's C-I-S. Yes. Oh, yeah. We are learning <laughs> so much today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a powerful woman and so beautiful. And I appreciate your honesty and telling the story because it's, it's a learning opportunity for so many people to just you know, find confidence in who you are and be who you want to be and find freedom and tap into your, your sensual power individually. I, I just, I, I, I love that so much. It's so sexy to me. Thank you. Thank you. I think you guys are beautiful. I've watched you for many years and I think you're very gorgeous. Thank you. Well, continue to be that beacon, that beacon (laughs) of inspiration and hope for, um, all those young kids who, um, look up to you that you, you know, that you're that person that you always wanted. That's really incredible to see that come full circle. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And and I just want to say, thank you. But I want to say that, you know, I think it's easy to say that I am um, uh, standing up for only people of trans experience, but who I am, and I can speak for me, I'm standing up for everyone, um, no matter if you're trans or not. I want everyone, especially our youth, to like love themselves and to truly just own who they are. Life is so short, especially now with everything that's going on. I think it's about just having confidence and just truly just loving those around you. Yeah. So I want to say I speak for everybody, no matter who you are. I get that about you. It's I, I love that. I'm raising four children, and that's my biggest wish is that they will all be who they wish to be, be who they're mm-hmm. supposed to be, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, that they can tap into their own inner confidence and define that with freedom. And I think that's one of the problems is there's fear and there's shame, and there are too many societal things that are in the way of self-discovery. So I, I totally get that about you and thank you for for that's a really powerful message thank you thank you i love that so much there there's so many terms there's so much going on in the world there's so many different rooms and areas and spaces of sexuality it's like i i i I continue to learn Mm -hmm. something on this show like it never ceases to amaze me every guest that comes on 
there's something that I write down and take with me, you know, yeah. cisgender. I've never even heard the word <laughs> beyond Madonna. Yeah. I mean, you know, come on, I, mean, I want to go that's because That's because it's so represented, you know, and that, and that the power of influence of the media and film and TV and, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if that's mm-hmm. largely what we're seeing, that's largely just what we think is normal. Totally. And so if you fall outside of that, it can it takes so right. much courage to really step forward and in that pure form of what is authentic yeah. for you. It's it takes so much. And um, you know, she didn't have that at all. God. At all. She encountered maybe like she just said, one person. She didn't even have an like, example. Oh, I know. No, I know. So but she had a mother that was supportive and accepting. I, I just that's yeah. amazing, right? And also yeah, like, incredible. as a researcher, if what? you are drawn to what's familiar and what you enjoy and you're not going outside of your box or you're not researching new things, you may never discover all of these things that are out there that could be pleasurable, enjoyable, yeah. interesting. I just want to say one last thing with with Haley that I really recognize to be really powerful from from the offset with her is that um, I really did feel that she does have this platform of being this transgendered woman, but also that's not her only platform. That was just her medium um, of you know, going through an obstacle or, um, you know, something that's difficult in life to become, um, the true version of who she is. And I think that that's, that's, um, a great message for any person. And I think she really exudes that. So like, I, I just want to give her some accolades for, you know, looking at the picture globally and not just honing in on, on one thing. So yeah, that was really interesting. Glad we had her. Me too. Should we go to break real quick? Let's do it. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. 
I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. That's okay. Perfect timing. We were just talking about getting naked. Welcome. Publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I was like, oh, God, has Jim seen me naked? Let's just, (laughs) like, I'm sure he has. (laughs) Uh, I I, I know a little bit about your history. A little bit. Well, Mr. Skin. (laughs) How's that for a heartbreaker? I know. Have you seen me naked? I know. (laughs) Shit. Well, Mr. Skin has long reigned as the world's foremost authority authority on celebrity nudity so um yeah that's all on the how show. did you get into that you know it's just started as a kid i had a fascination with uh nude scenes and i used to tape uh, my dad got me a when i was in high school a, a, a cable television and a, a vhs player and it was like a convergence of technologies i used to tape as many movies as i can that featured nude scenes and uh, collected them uh, let's just say it was a fun person at parties my friends would no kidding uh, quiz me and uh ask me if any actress had ever been nude in movies or television it was just something i did for fun and then the internet came along and um i went on a local radio show in chicago and thinking i'd just go on uh for fun as this guy that could go on and you could ask him any actress he could tell you if they had been nude in a movie i literally thought it was going to be like my 15 minutes of fame and that would be it and uh just became a popular segment uh, segment and then the internet came along and i started mrskin.com we just celebrated our 21st birthday and it's a database mm-hmm. where you could go whoa i know yeah it's, incredible. it's <sighs> a database uh you could go to find out if any actress uh has ever been nude in a movie or uh television show and it's just again, that easy but wait, yeah. wait, go back go back for a second i want to go back to your teenage movie movie viewing desire for nudity like give us give us a movie what what like what was well, back instance, in the day I mean, before we're ratings talking, were yeah we're talking early 80s here so like i get cable television now as a kid little kid in the 70s it was like abc cbs and nbc and that yeah. was it right and then all of a sudden i'm uh i tape a movie called bobby joe and the outlaw and in that movie, Wonder Woman, Linda Carter is naked uh, four times in the first 33 minutes, uh, capped off by a scene where she's uh, skinny dipping while doing mushrooms with a big Indian chief. So I was like, okay, if Linda Carter, Wonder Woman has Wait, been really? Like what naked, like so you could see, like you could see. Like, I, I'm, I'm, my jaw's dropping right now because I, like, you, like you could see, or was it like she was, yeah, naked, she was but nothing hot, was, was showing? Yeah, it was an, it was an R-rated nude scene. Yeah, and then 
soon after that, I saw a movie called Texas This is just Lightning. on TV. Yeah, I saw a movie called Texas Lightning, and Marsha from the Brady Bunch was naked. And I was like, all right. Oh, yeah. you're done. <laughs> I'm on a quest. And that was it. And uh, uh, yeah, that was just some of the early stuff I saw. But I listen, I never dreamed when I started this website. I was working at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, you know, in the pits where all the guys yell and scream at each other. And I thought I'd be doing it for a couple weeks and then, you know, nothing would come of it. But now I have 40 uh, employees. And like I said, I've wow. been doing, I know I've been doing it 21 years. And, uh, and and now we have this big movie out, uh, documentary Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies, which just came out on VOD uh, this week to, in, much to my surprise, uh, rave reviews from you know, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, CNN, tons of, it's been all over the media. I can't believe it. And uh, again, never intended for any of this to happen. It just kind of did. At the risk of sounding offensive, and I'm just going to come out and say it because I don't think it's the first time you've heard it. When I think of um, someone who is to start looking for every single nude scene in a movie, I think of a creep. And you are not a creep. You've just really <laughs> turned this into a whole business. I, mean, I, have a, I have a wife and kids and uh, a nice life. I mean, I don't think I'm a creep, but listen, I get it if people think that. I think, and here's something, uh, a little anecdote about MrSkin.com. When I launched the website on August 10th of 1999 at, at 4.45 p.m. Central Time. I, I know exactly <laughs> when it launched. Um, <laughs> 10 days later, I got an email uh, through customer service from someone in Cincinnati. And they said, you know what? I went to your website and I just want to tell you, it's the first time I've never felt creepy or, or disgusted at an adult website. I'm R-rated. I'm not a porn site. But they said it made it fun and classy. And, and really, that was what I was trying to do. I, you know, I wanted to make the website fun. We, we celebrate nudity in film. Like, I don't care if it's Kathy Bates nude and I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, we're happy that Kathy Bates mm -hmm. did a nude scene. It's just like mm -hmm. a, a celebration of nudity. And from day one, I didn't want to be like, let's fat shame or let's say uh, this actress shouldn't have been naked or anything. It's just like, no, any nude scene in a movie or television show where an actress willingly appears is great and we're just reporting on it and and telling you uh where to see it mm. how, how do you feel that 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 equates to inner confidence and sensual confidence as a human being i i know we're talking about entertainment so you know great actors this is probably a loaded question but nudity i mean how do you feel like that equates to confidence oh i think uh and i don't mean to get back into the documentary, but since it's no, no, we want so to know fresh that. in my mind, yeah, no, please. listening to Diane Franklin, she was in a, a famous teen sex comedy called Last American Virgin in the early 80s, and she's in our documentary, and she said, you know, it was when she did her first nude scene is when she really felt like a woman. And when uh, she, and after that first nude scene, she felt like an actress and it, it gave mm. her a lot of confidence. And uh, it was cool in the documentary to hear from different actresses through different decades. Cause I want to tell you, one of the cool things that we found in doing this documentary on the history of nudity is how different it is today for say the actresses in the seventies, eighties, or even the nineties, because um, they have this thing now called an intimacy coordinator. 
Oh, I was going to ask yes. you. That. Yeah, it's the uh-huh. it's it's the big thing from the Me Too movement. We're on the set of movies now or television shows. The intimacy coordinator will be there to kind of support the actress and like let's say the director, you know, everyone agreed like this is what the sex scene is going to be. This is what the actress is going to show. And sometimes and historically that you know, could veer into many different directions and become more more nude or go on longer than it should. And they're there to make sure that the director follows that those guidelines. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's also having someone there just to confide and talk to. Mm-hmm. Protection, can, safety, legal right. issues. I mean. I, yeah, and you, you contrast, like back in like these girls we talked to that were in, or actresses that were in movies in the 80s or 90s were like, I remember Linda Blair was talking about Shane Heat and, and what she had to go through and uh, Diane Franklin, Pam Greer in the 70s talking about that. And one of the great things about the documentary is that we show that women are much more empowered today when, you know, when it comes to doing nudity than these actresses in the 70s, 80s and 90s. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing. I think there's power in the vulnerability. I mean, in just the owning it and, and um, the rawness of it and being able to find your, your comfort and freedom in that vulnerable moment. I think that's huge for a woman and a man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no question about it. You know, my, my husband's an actor, and so we've spoken about this quite a, a bit, especially with intimacy coordinators and stuff like that. That. but you know I think it's really important like when it comes to like creating a really good scene a really good like whether it's just nudity or a sex scene it's so important for the actor to be embodied and so if a, if if an actor gets pushed over their limits where they're like think they're getting touched somewhere they don't want to be touched if um, there's too many people in the room and they become disembodied then it isn't an engaging sex scene it isn't an engage like it's they're just gritting and bearing their way through it and that doesn't lend to an amazing performance that doesn't lend Mm -hmm. to like that kind of embodied performance so having an intimacy coordinator is essentially like figuring you know like when you're doing a bdsm kind of you're figuring out okay where the limits and boundaries are that's kind mm-hmm. of what an intimacy coordinator does is help facilitate okay how many people are going to be in the room what what do you need to feel mm. comfortable can i grab your ass can i touch your breast mm-hmm. you know because there's so much trauma that actually occurs on sets when women are just gritting and mm. bearing their way i'm glad you're defining that yeah no, most people who are listening who have no idea of how these this type of work goes down in the in- entertainment business it's super mm-hmm. important i mean in all areas in that space and things have changed so much i mean i'll be um, on set even for a commercial production and there will be a person that will come out and will give a a group speech about um liabilities no one's going to be touching mm-hmm. anyone if you have any issues if you have any concern like they almost have to like spell it out now yeah. now just to cover cover their own ass because everybody this whole me too movement has has been such a game changer for everyone and just Um, to bring it back to like what we're talking about in this episode is look what is sexy and we we kind of identify that you know what sexy is when someone is in their pure form of their sensual and erotic expression and so mm -hmm. that's what you need to facilitate on a set as well so then it reads as being sexy you know I think think you're going to see moving forward um some of these intimate scenes actually being more sexy because as you point out exactly they're comfortable and they're happy and they want to do it and they want and they they feel again empowered mm-hmm. it's gonna make for a sexier scene it doesn't you wouldn't think that but if, if you take a step back it, it's the way it is right absolutely yeah, what sense. are the sexiest scenes that you've encountered mm-hmm. well 
Yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, again, getting back to the movie is that uh, uh, I think when a woman is strong and like kick ass, like Pam Greer in those uh, movies from the 70s is a great example. Or even uh, Kristana Loken in Terminator 3, we talked to her in the movie and she's beautiful, but she's also kicking ass in Terminator 3. And I think to, to men, it's maybe some it doesn't work but to me i think it's very sexy when a woman's strong and um and uh and does scenes like that to me that's very sexy you know what i noticed what's what really stood out to me um from from your documentary skin is watching through the years the uh, evolution of um the basically breasts and initially i think when we first started seeing nudity on on films, it was just a whole lot of different breasts, large breasts, small breasts, large nipples, small nipples, all kinds of different breasts. And it it made me feel good about seeing that because I think now we see a typical breast, right? Or like what what society thinks uh, the, a nipple size should look like or um, more or less an ideal breast size within a range. But um, I loved that when nudity probably first was coming to the forefront of entertainment there what that hadn't been developed yet right. so it's just celebrate your body for what it is yeah when you see nude scenes of actresses in the 70s even the you know 60s that were considered beautiful uh actresses in those eras and they still are obviously it, it's funny that the body types are are different but but it's still incredibly beautiful it's very natural and uh uh yeah, listen, our documentary starts with Thomas Edison and, and the first motion picture camera all the way up to the Me Too movement. So you see all types of nudity. I, I'm sure you guys haven't seen a lot of uh, 1800s uh, full no. frontal. Now I'm curious, though. I mean, it's in the evolution of nudity. It's fascinating. Yeah. What was beautiful in the 1920s, for instance, and uh, uh, we show Clara Bow, the, the very first movie that won an Oscar, the first year of the Oscars, 1927, a movie called Wings, a silent movie, won Best Picture. Clara Bow, who was the it girl, the most famous actress in the world, showed her breasts in that movie. But you, looking back, you might look at her and beauty in 1927 and beauty today, obviously, you know, was different. But uh, she was the, you know, no pun intended, it girl uh, at the time. And she even showed her breasts in that movie. Wow. Mm. Why, why do you think the rating system has changed so much over the years? I mean, I, I've viewed movies with my younger children that are PG or P that, you know, we're, that the rating system now is, is completely different than it was even 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it used to be you could have a PG movie, PG 13 and a woman be fully nude. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the, the thing that we, we discussed this and I, I hear it all the time and you guys probably would agree with this is, you know, here in the United States, it's unique to us, by the way, you could have violence and uh, explosions and car crashes and that's PG. A woman takes her top off. It's an R rating. Okay, and, yeah. And it, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It's, 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 
it's kind of like it should be the reverse but you know what can i tell you i know i know it's well when i when i was listening to the rating system i i grew up in st louis so not far from chicago and we in a catholic family and it was funny because you were talking about the rating system with within the church and we had to look at the catholic review to see what the movies were rated and like every (laughs) single movie was mo morally offensive and so i i pretty much couldn't see movies and, and you probably grew up thinking that nudity was morally offensive. Right. It's funny in our documentary, it's so funny you bring that up because we talk about in the 1920s, you know, the Legion of Decency and the Catholic Church and all this would, would make these, they, they go out there and give ratings and they post them right at the churches, like morally offensive. Don't, mm-hmm. You know, here's the movie you should watch. Here's a movie eh, you might be okay. And here's the movie you definitely shouldn't watch. Guess what? All the people went to go see the morally offensive ones. It was yeah, almost like them telling you what movies you should go see. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I wanted to highlight like just what an important role um, that the production code played in what it allowed people in their own e- expression of their sexuality. Like before the code, I, I did watch a little bit of your film that um, that you know, there was that movie, Sign of the Cross, which had like so many different expressions of sexuality. There was like homosexuality, bestiality, like it was like the whole spectrum. And I think if we were seeing more of that kind of stuff on screen, we just interviewed Haley Shahar, who's um, a transgendered woman, that she had no representation on screen of what, what her, how her, what was that? Yeah, she's I was just saying she was from Pose, yeah. Right. Yeah, she and didn't I, have that representation. So I think, um, you know, as, yeah, it, it just had a huge role to play in, yeah, in the, what we uh, allow ourselves. One of the things in the documentary that is very surprising to people is you think that the, the turn of the century, the early 1900s, the 1920s, we were very puritanical and all this, <laughs> but not in movies. And um, yeah. you point out the sign of the cross, which is one of the movies we talk about where, um, you know, there's there's nudity in the movie. There is the scene where the woman is tied up and an ape uh, is approaching her for a weird uh, scene. Uh, there was nudity I mentioned in Wings. Hedy Lamarr in Ecstasy in 1932 was completely nude. Um, it, it really surprises people what where movies were in the in the teens and 20s, and then the Hayes Code came in in 1934, and there's. And that's the reason you never saw a nude scene in American film from 1934 all the way to 1963 when Jane Mansfield did Promises, Promises. She was the first American actress in a mainstream movie to do a nude scene. And then, of course, the 60s, 70s and 80s, it took off. But um, there was no nudity in, in American cinema in half the 30s, all the 40s and 50s. It's pretty incredible. It just has a huge influence on on um, on us that we don't get to see that it's not it's not there for us and to give us permission, um, and so then it also kind of creates this environment where we get told what to believe is sexy, what to believe is beautiful, and um, yeah. I want to wrap up with a question: uh, Where do you think nudity in film is going from here? Well, I, with COVID, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, even just when are they going to be able to start filming movies again and filming television shows again? But, you know, when is that going to happen first? Secondly, um, sex scenes, that's 
COVID's going to be like a big deal in the future for sex scenes, don't you think? I mean, it has mm-hmm. to. Um, there is one thing that's been creeping up over the last 10 years that could play a part. I don't know how much, but CGI, com- computer generated uh, wow. nudity, may uh, play a bigger role. It's already, mm-hmm. already shown up in, in some movies. Uh, you guys probably are aware of scenes. I remember in the Walk of Shame in Game of Thrones that Lena Headey, when she had to walk through everyone, that was computer generated. It wasn't her. And um, I think maybe we'll see more of that in the future. Not every movie's going to have it, but uh, nudity is not going away. It just isn't. In fact, there's never been more nudity with all the different platforms with Amazon and, and Netflix and everything else. But um, I just think uh, we're going to see changes um that uh, there's definitely going to be changes. It's just hard to predict with, with COVID and mm-hmm. CGI and everything else. Mm. Well, COVID's making nudity and sensuality more challenging in real life, too. How you would date these days? I, I have no idea how that would I work. mean, Megan, not easily. <laughs> not easily. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for joining us. Super fascinating. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. We do as well. Thank you. Thank you. I remember when I first saw nudity in a film. Do you guys remember your first? I don't know if I remember nudity, but I remember when I first saw a pornographic type of a film that I think was like a VHX that was like snuck from a friend's parents, like stash in the closet or something. And it was so shocking and it was such a big deal. It was so incredibly provocative, but I wasn't super young. I mean, it was later teenage years. And, you know, we think about what's available now to our children and free porn. And I was even thinking about computer generated, you know, what, um, what he was just talking about, uh, even in the porn world, you know, it's, 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 I guess there's more nudity now than ever. It's just becoming more and more challenging in the way in which we, we set it up and shoot it and make it available. What about you, Leela? Uh, I remember, remember your first. Yeah, Blue Lagoon. I think it's Blue Lagoon. <gasps> oh, I, had to, <laughs> I had to sneak to. I wasn't allowed to watch. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. But I remember and, sex scenes. Like Basic Instinct was probably one yeah. of my first like sex scenes. And remember how innocent Brooke Shields was. She was like the it teen with the with the denim campaigns and so PG. I mean, that was ultra yeah. provocative. What about you, Megan? No, I don't remember. Like the first one, like conscious one, I can remember is American Pie, but um, that was <laughs> later on too. I mean, I was, yeah, I mean, that's pretty out it's there. Funny, too, I don't but... even consider all of that like nudity. I mean, that just seems like, you know, cheeky, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think if I can remember like a respectable nude scene with like, you know, an A-lister. And I just, the way that he tells the story and the way this, this, this documentary goes through the ages of nudity, uh, it's really surprising. Um, the confidence and the acceptability, you know, back then it was less of a yeah. shock factor than it is now, I think. I agree. Let's go to break real quick. And then we will have Melody when we come back to talk about who is the sexiest person in the world and how do they pick them on People. People Magazine. Uh. L-A-S-I-K 
LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hi, Melody. I was just sharing with the ladies our our intimate time together that we had in Newport. Oh, my God. That was the time to be alive. Oh, my gosh. I know. I want those days to come back soon. But it's so nice to have you here. I'm really, really grateful that you're joining our show today. And um, Melody and I have some history. We've had some very intimate times together. Not sensual times. We did a (laughs) female retreat um, in Southern California. And... um, you're a great lady, so I'm glad that you're here. And I always love your perspective on Hollywood. In fact, I'll tell you girls real quick. When I was single, we all sat around a little fire one night and I was like, gosh, who's going to be the next guy? And we were like breaking down all the eligible bachelors in Hollywood and all the ladies were voting and we're like, come on, we need, we were, we, we were, we were trying to find the, the most eligible bachelor. And it wasn't easy, by the way. No, I feel like you want the full package these days. You can't just be a pretty face. And that's what we were no, saying. Yeah. Like, well, we want him to be smart and funny and like uh-huh. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And single. 
Yes, and single. You, you want to like lust. Uh, yes, you have, they have to be single because you want to lust over somebody without feeling guilty, like yeah. you're going to steal them That's somehow right. in your thoughts. But uh, yeah, there's this is it's such a, a big topic, and I've often talked over it with my friends how do they pick them and why and you know what's the algorithm I, w I was joking about that earlier what's the algorithm i know everyone's always asking like what's the secret do people get paid for it like you know like and no it's just almost the day after and our editor-in-chief has said this too dan that almost a day after that the the 2019 one comes out you start thinking like about next year <laughs> we're talking about the sexiest man alive people magazine issue everybody and this is melody chu who writes for people People. And so she's got the, she's on the pulse of sexy in Hollywood. Um, it's always so like unexpected though. Don't you, I mean, are you girls surprised when mm -hmm. that issue comes out to see who's gracing the cover mm -hmm. every year? Yeah. Leela? I, th I think you can't please everyone because sexy is so different to everyone. Right. And like, for example, the year we had Blake Shelton, I think there, there were a lot of people who were angry, a lot of people who loved mm. it. And I think it's because he, he wasn't the typical sexy and like, I'll, I'll say that, but mm -hmm. he's so funny and so nice. And like, I, I just think there's so much more to sexy, especially now in this, you know, with everything going on than just yeah. someone who has a six pack or a big It's muscle. so much, it's so different yeah. than beauty, you know. Yeah. It's the difference between beauty and sexy like we were talking about earlier on the show that, you know, Blake Sheldon isn't like what you would say is a typically beautiful man, but he he actually, I'm, I actually am really interested in, in 2017 when he got it. Was mm -hmm. that when he was falling in love? Yeah. I was just going to ask you the yeah. same thing. So that was when the love affair <laughs> first started. Yeah. I mean, and that was sexy and unexpected. Like yeah. I like an unexpected mm. character of a man like that. That's so sexy. I mean, he was yeah. the epitome of masculinity. And, yeah. you know, when you had the pop princess and the country music star, like I kind of, that was hot. Like America was watching that go down, not only on the voice, but in the tabloids as well. That was super sexy. And I think what makes it sexy too, is that he's willing to admit how much he loves this woman and mm. in a hot 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 yeah, in a time when like so many people pretend they're not dating someone just to like kind of you know be that single hot guy like it's so nice to have a guy who openly screams from the top of the mountain and is like yeah. i love gwen stefani she's changed yeah. my life i love her kids like yep it's so refreshing like thank and god and i think that he has that, that in common with john legend yes, right because he's just like all about uh -huh. his woman and championing his woman and pedestaling her so yeah. i think it's yeah I think love and commitment is super sexy. What, how does the magazine define it? Like, can you break down for us what um, what defines the sexiest human being alive? And I know it's subjective. Everybody's opinion is different. Well, I think last year, especially um, with John Legend, it was such a hard year for a lot of people. Um, this year got harder, but I think <laughs> last year there was this overwhelming need for like someone kind which mm. John Legend is through and through his whole family. Like Chrissy is mm. lovely too. And, and I think he was also just so grateful for it. He was almost like mm. me, like you guys want me, which is so humility. Nice. Is sexy. So yes. Sexy. Vulnerability, yeah. sensitivity. Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you choose it? How do you choose? I, so there are a few people who weigh in. I mean, it's so top secret. Like mm. I only knew because I was involved in, I, I did the interview with him, Winter's House and all of that. But otherwise, like for other years, you know, we've had Chris Hemsworth, we've had Ryan Reynolds. Like I had no idea until the day of, like that's how under lock and key it is, which is fun for even the staff. When does um, the issue come out? It is November. November. So I feel like wow. it's going to be 
It's going to be somebody who's like strong and outspoken and powerful and a little bit angry. I think this year you have to be active. You can't. It's going to be Sean King for sure. (laughs) Barack Obama. Oh, I would have, no, no, no. I love that. That's, Brooke, that's Brooke's I, I fantasy. Know, well, because we had to pick like one you person who we would if we could. And like, I didn't have anyone in my back pocket from Hollywood. Melody, you and I have had this extensive conversation already. I've never been like in love with somebody on screen. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I that, yeah. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day, I was like, we need a man who can save us all this year. And that's Dr. Fauci. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, so what, what do you girls think? Like if you, if you had to pick um, ladies, who would it be? I was looking through the past cover guys hotties and i feel like everyone i would have thought of has already graced the cover so ladies is it always and is it always a faint well i guess it's always a famous person is it always an actor no it can be anyone you know who came to mind for me is trevor noah this year i think he's so hot so outspoken like Mm -hmm. stands up for what's right um i I love him like him is fresh and you know different that would be unexpected yeah what do you think, Lila, Megan? Oh, I'd love for him to be to do, to be it. I think someone who's really active and outspoken in this in what we're dealing with now is probably the person who's mm-hmm. going to get it. And he's oh yeah, has for been, sure, especially for Black Lives Matter and everything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I was going to say my boyfriend, but yeah, <laughs> that's obvious. I think he's the sexiest <laughs> man alive. <laughs> you can put my husband on the cover. I'm sure he'd be fine with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, they can they can share. <laughs> now, Libby, what's your take on? Um, we've been talking about this a lot um, for the last few shows: sexy versus beauty, male or female, and we found them to do be two very different concepts. What, what's your opinion on that? I feel like I don't know. If this is what I don't think this is exactly what you're asking, but I think it's different. Like for women thinking of what's sexy in a woman and what men find sexy in a mm-hmm. woman. I think for a lot of us females, it's like you look at someone like Chrissy Teigen, who is just like, here are my stretch marks, like put it out there. You have Ashley Graham who had a baby and is like, this is my body now. And like owning your kind of flaws and, you know, turning it around is so sexy to me. And instead of just, you know, it's just unattainable these days to have the perfect body. I don't find that sexy. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I, I look at you. I'm like, you're beautiful. You're hot. But it's like, there's so much more to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe, maybe guys are coming around to that too. And like, the more you have people like John Legend or SMA speaking out of me, like, I love my wife, no matter how much she weighs, no matter what she looks like, has she had a baby? Has she not like, it just, I find her like beautiful. And I think hopefully that's what everyone is sort of coming around to. Um, for guys, I don't know. I, I mean, look, I appreciate like a beautiful man like that. I'm not going to lie. Who doesn't? Um, My go to is like Enrique Iglesias. I feel like he's so hot and like (laughs) he will be my hall pass until I die. Mm. Um, Mine's Javier Badem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a scruffy, Mm. good man. Love Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, but I also love a pretty boy. I don't know. I've I've never liked a bad boy. That's my one thing. But I know everyone else does. Every other girl. Who is a bad boy? Name a bad boy. Um, I get an idea. Who was my eligible bachelor? Remember, Melody? I remember. You can say it. You can say it. It was just yeah. our wish list as we were narrowing down the single men in Hollywood. He's a bit of a bad boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He totally is. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Keanu. I mean, not really a bad oh. boy, but he kind of. Mysterious. You know, I think that's uh, it. He's mysterious. Johnny Depp. Yeah. I guess Johnny Depp is 
Oh, I do boy. like a mis- mysterious man. Yeah. A, a distinguished man. I kind of yeah. like too, but God, so yeah. Hmm. I, I think your boyfriend right now is very sexy. Mine or, or yeah. Megan? Well, oh, he is. No, he is. And you know what makes him sexy is so many things. Like it's that loving kindness. It's the mm-hmm. salt and pepper hair. Yeah. He's well, super pepper. masculine. He's really cuddly. He's also sweet. So he's not a bad boy at all, yet he's strong. So he kind of encompasses, he's that full package, which I love, not the full package of it. <laughs> What I meant was, what I meant was he's that very well-rounded man. And I love what you said about sexy and beautiful, because I I do feel like, or maybe I'm hopeful, that there is a shift of who you are, what you're doing, what your powerful attributes are. And we were even reading a cheeky list of what typically men find sexy in women. And a lot of them were um, almost like that badass, comfortable quality, like the girl you want to go have a beer with, the girl who knows how to handle a situation, someone who's a girl boss, like all those things that aren't the submissive, demure, like, you know, fragile pinups, you know, sex pot. And I I like that. I think also like you have one of the hottest bodies ever in Hollywood. Thank you. But I also think what makes you stand out is that you're you're like strong, you know, you, you and you inspire women to feel their best selves. And so I think it's not just surfacy with you either. And that's what makes people find you sexy too, is you're like, yeah, I've had a lot of kids. I've been through a lot, like, but look at me, like I'm strong. I've survived a lot. And that's not just physical. Like it comes through the inner self too. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a woman's woman for sure. And I'm into owning it at every age and every shape and every size and all of it. Um, I think it comes from such a deep place within for sure. And that's powerful, right? I think every age too. I'm just so glad like the age of sexiness, it's like you, you have people in their fifties and their sixties and you know, people like Helen Mirren. I'm like, you are sexy, (sighs) you know, anytime. And then Halle Berry, every time she posts an Instagram photo, I'm like, oh my God. Flawless. I know. I know. Bananas. Now, does people have sexiest woman alive? We have the most beautiful issue um, in May. And ah. then we have the man in November, but yeah. So, so most beautiful is kind of our our other. Why who, was on, who was on the cover last year of that? I can't remember. The Jen Garner. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it feels like a hundred years ago, but yeah, it, it does. Cool. I couldn't even remember that. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Why? Let's talk about why does the man get the sexy issue and the woman has to share the most beautiful issue? Because women like to, beautiful women, right? <laughs> well, what do you well, think? The most beautiful is all female, actually. Um, so they get their issue. Um, but yeah, that's actually a good question. You know, it's something that I think is good to bring up and ask because women are sexy too. I wonder if it's because women are are women love beauty. I think beautiful women appreciate other beautiful women, whatever that means individually. And there's something sometimes intimidating about a super sexy woman that's just exuding that. What, what do you ladies Unhatable. think? Yeah. I mean, I like it. I'm inspired by that. I like powerful sexual energy, but I, but for the most part, publicly, maybe sexy is too much. I just think we have a history of being heavily objectified. And so mm-hmm. there's probably a steering away towards, um, you know, just not focusing on, on the sexuality, like oh, the that's sex interesting. side of things. Um, yeah. And so that it's more palatable. Yeah. People is pretty mainstream. Just triggering. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, with sexy man, it, it does make it more fun for people to guess. It just does feel a little weird to be like, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's always lead up to the issue and like this excitement, like who's it going to be? And it is kind of weird to me to be like, well, who's the sexiest woman alive? Like that feels a little, I don't know. Well, I don't know yeah. if you guys feel the same way, but it is just a little, I don't know, less objectifying, like Brooke was saying, to be like, who's the most beautiful mm. woman? Because it encompasses so much more for a woman to be beautiful. Yeah, and, it's know, not what we value as women necessarily. It was like how sexy yeah. we would, we value beauty higher. I think. Yeah, and obviously our main demo yeah. is women, not men. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it goes back yeah, to what right, we were discussing right. earlier about sexy, having an action, having an energy, a vibration, yeah. um, which I feel in other women, maybe most mainstream women don't, but we feel that with men, like to define a sexy man, that's sort of like a feeling, an energy, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that. Yeah. And just with the objectification part of it, like we, I think collectively as women, we don't want to just be desired for sex. There's this whole other plethora of things that we want to be, um, you know, attractive for. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense. Well, I'm going back to the sexiest man alive and I'm going to be <laughs> keeping my wheels turning. I, I think that it's so much fun. It's, it's almost a game, you know, you think about who's the sexiest man alive and why, and we kind of did that a little bit in this conversation. Um, so yeah, if you have any inside info, text me. <laughs> <laughs> we also do love bring suggestions. Uh, so if you guys oh, have yeah. Ooh. Okay, yeah. good to know. Well, thank you so much thank for coming you. on, Melody. It was so a pleasure fun. having you. You've been just such a joy and so much fun. Thank it's you. always good to talk to you. You too. She's awesome. She's really, she's such a powerful writer. People Magazine, everybody, awesome to have her. I have no idea who's going to grace the next cover. I, I, I was really racking my brain before we met. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I wanted to get your opinion I feel like on I don't something. Even know who anyone is? I know I don't either. I'm like so off the beaten path of Hollywood right now. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on something because I've been revisiting this and, and kind of checking myself, and it's all about nudity um, and acceptability. So, I did a photo shoot with Brian Bowen Smith, who's a dear friend of mine, a very respectable um, photographer. I love him. He's very well known for his black and whites and super tasteful nudes. And he does this whole series of almost like dirty nudes, not dirty sexually speaking, but like dirty body, like oil, dirty body, black and white on the beach. Um, he's really well known for all his face mask nude art where it's just a female mm -hmm. body. So I have several pieces of his art in my home that I really like no face to the name. And it's funny. Most people come over and think that it's me and maybe I'm buying art that I respond to because it looks like my body. It's not me. Um, and I finally did a shoot with him and I, I, I did a shoot before I, um, did redid my breasts my breast augmentation. So I thought it was going to be my last nude shoot ever. And I was like, this is going to be a sentimental thing for me because I may never be nude again and blah, blah, blah. So we finally do the shoot. Um, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. I was really proud, proud of the art and he does art shows. So it's not pinuppy at all. And I was topless and I had this vintage old Chanel hat on and he prints some of them on old wood boards and um, they're art pieces. So he, and I supported the art show. I went with my kids. It was 
very high end and respectable. And then he gifted me with a beautiful piece of art. And you don't see that it's me and I'm in this big Chanel hat and there's a vintage surfboard. I'm in Malibu. I was actually at Cindy Crawford's house in the backyard. It was all super bougie and cool. I have these full back bottoms, vintage bathing suit bottoms on and you can see my breasts and it's not posy. I'm like lounging on the beach. And he gives me this piece of art. And it's big, by the way. So I've like, seen it. It's in your house. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, dear God, what yeah. am I going to do? What What am I going to do I with do. this? And can I pull it off and say that it's not me um, for respect for my children and their friends or whatever? Because I have a lot of uh, nude art. I have very provocative art in my home. I don't edit art um, and music with my children. I edit more um, you know, R-rated like sexual activity, but not art. I have lots of coffee table books. So the color scheme happened to really match this landing that I had going into my master bedroom on a staircase that you would access if you were going to my kids' rooms. That didn't go down well at all. My children all were mortified. They're like, mom. It didn't? No, they're like, mom, there's no way you can't do that. Oh, like no. That. I respected that. And I said, I want to talk to all of you. I, want, I talked to my son who was 11 at the time. And I said, you're the little man of the house and I value your opinion. I never want you to feel uncomfortable. If this makes you uncomfortable, I'm cool with it. So I moved the piece of art into my master bedroom. My boyfriend loves it. And so it's hanging in a sitting room. You've seen it, Leela, in my master bedroom. Yeah. My children literally wanted to have a family meeting. And my 18-year-old, who's super feminist, listen, super feminist, very um, kind of judgmental, a little bit darker, like in personality, thought that it was the most despicable, most inappropriate thing of all time. Now, mind you, two of my children are raised by a French father. They never even wore a bathing suit top. Neither did I. Europe, France, Spain, everywhere, even in pools that allowed it in America. We've been a very free family. It's never been an issue. Breasts have never been an issue. Never, ever, ever. But suddenly, (laughs) the fact that I have a piece of art where my breasts are showing in my master bedroom, And so I didn't give on this. I was like, this is a natural state. By the way, it's my master bedroom. So if you don't feel comfortable, don't come in here. And none of your friends need to come into my master bedroom. We need to have some boundaries. But the reason, this is a long story, I'm sorry, but I had to give you all the pieces. I'm asking your opinion because I kept revisiting it going like in a family home. Is that, why is it inappropriate? Because it's me. You can't even see that it's me. I have a hat on. And I just kind of had to double check myself. So maybe it is bothering me, even though I owned it. And it was almost like I had to dig my heels in. Like, I'm not taking it down. This is my space. What what do you think about that? Well, I I think. 10 minute story. I just think like as a mom, like we, we so often just take, you know, everybody else's comfortability before our own. And I think the way that you exerted like asserted yourself, but in a really compassionate, mindful way and got everybody's feedback, but still made your own decision, exemplifies to your kids what it is to, to you know, maintain your own identity and also have loving, loving boundaries. Mm. So I think you did an amazing job and it's not really about the art. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't about that. And it was about me being able to say, I'm comfortable for this. And it's in my private space. And I'm respecting our family home. And I took it out of the landing. But I don't find anything um, provocative about nudity. And I wanted them to find freedom in my confidence, me personally. Yeah, I think you exemplified that beautifully. And Thank did you. you ever, were you ever mm-hmm. able to get to the bottom of like where their discomfort was? was my it, son was, was finding out how other people felt. Um, I think my 
I, I, I thought a lot about that and I wanted to dig deeper into that because my 18 year old was really the only one who had issue with it. Mm. And my 13 year old daughter was kind of following, following suit and she had texted me on an apology and just said, mommy, I, I, I support you and I get it. And you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I judged you, which meant the world to me. My son didn't Aww. really care because I, I mean, I Except sleep naked. Like, we, we're not, <laughs> nudity is not an issue in our family at all. Mm. Um, I think it was just the freedom to judge and not understanding that that's not acceptable in my house. And so that was really the lesson that I was trying to instill with my older daughter. Um, yeah. And even to and let her own what might not be right for her. And I would respect that. But what's yeah, right for me, I demand respect. Tip, yeah. And on the feminist tip, like she might have felt that you were objectifying yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and so she's kind of like protect, come, is coming from like mm-hmm. that protective, yeah. like I don't want you to to feel like you have to do this or that you yeah. um, or that you weren't in like a really empowering space when you did it. You know, I think that that's a really thing, great so. point. I, I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. It's um, mm. a much mm. deeper conversation, but it ties into this whole show because we have to find confidence boundaries, um, find what's comfortable, own who we are, um, mm. define what's sensual versus beautiful. Like I found that to be a beautiful moment, not a sensual moment at all, actually at all. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, owning who we are. I think that's I mean, what also this for, whole episode's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, you want you're a family unit, and you want to respect your children's opinions, and I think you did that, like Leo said. Um, but also, I'm more of the. I think I'm a little bit of the old school mentality where your house, your rules. You're the mama. You're mm-hmm. the. You're the. You the boss. Mm-hmm. So um, I love that, you know, w- you know, within within the boundaries of respect and your daughter's 18, you know, she's growing up. She's she's going to push boundaries. She's going to want to spread her wings and do her own thing soon. And so I feel like if I was your 18 year old daughter and my 18 year old self, I would probably have pushed the same boundaries she did. But it wouldn't have really been about the art. It would have been about me wanting to get the hell out of there and find my own. <laughs> Which she's welcome to do. I'm like, you can go on out the door. <laughs> no. um, thanks for letting me bounce that off no, of you because I, I respect that. your opinion so much as women and as mothers. And, you know, sometimes it's important that we have these conversations to just open our mind to other possibilities. So thanks for letting me bounce that. Thank you. <laughs> Always love. Thanks, babe. Yay. I actually wanted to um, just put something out there as we go forward and um, push the boundaries of what is provocative. And um, I I think I want to open up our dialogue and and start discussing some things that people aren't talking about. I mean, I know our show is all about that and opening our eyes and our minds, but I think, you know, there's such a, a, a whole arena out there related to sexuality. Um, that people are so unaware of mm-hmm. from, um, I mean, let's name off a few, Leela, of things that we can we can open up in, in the next few months. Shibari, we touched on that before. Yeah, um, S&M, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by understanding the mindset behind that. I also think understanding sets working mm-hmm. right? and like all the judgments we have around mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's a really right. great one. I think, yeah, I think transgender. Mm-hmm. I think you said you brought up anal, you know, anal pleasure. 
Oh yeah, anal yeah, sex. Yeah, I mean that's such a. I think that's worthy of a whole one. show. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, so much of the work that I do is just like opening people's eyes to possibilities, and that's why I focus with with Haley around like, okay, where's the representation? And so, and to give permission to, you know explore the whole spectrum of possibility in terms of expression Mm -hmm. and I want to better understand why people do or don't do what they do and to find freedom in those choices and um, I'm interested as well in um, performing you know sexual performance um, professional sex um, Mm -hmm. you know intelligent powerful women that are choosing that as a profession I want to talk to those ladies and understand um, fantasy and the role play and um, the acting role in all of it. I, I, I think it's going to be really surprising. So yeah, let's start talking about things come. that no one's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, ladies, this was fun. I think I'm going to go skinny dipping. I'll see you girls later. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I you kind of look like you naked. might not have clothes on right now. Um, oh, yeah, you kind of like stripped look, off. Well, your hair is over your straps. <laughs> yeah, Brooke's actually naked, everybody. I know. This is the naked episode. I love it. Bye, girls. Bye. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.